Just wait a minute, we got a job for you. I don't want no job. Why not? Too much, too much like work, man. Listen, this is strictly nowhere. You got a lot of sick, old-fashioned ideas about working hard and living clean, and it's all a lot of junk. I'm too tired to listen. I mean, work is for suckers. You know, I like my job, Skipper. I wouldn't want to lose it. want to lose it. Hey, it's me, Chris T, standing in a doorway here just west of 6th Avenue on 23rd Street. I just got done with day four of my Pro Tools classes. Now look at that. A Fire Department of New York ladder truck is pulling up, specifically Ladder 12. That's interesting. It's kind of hot out here. It's upwards of 80 degrees. And... Um, I got to say, the Pro Tools classes are going well. I feel pretty confident that I could do just about anything I'm asked to do in Pro Tools. So that's cool. There's obviously a lot more to the program that I need to learn. But a lot of the stuff that I um, would need to learn would be for music production. And really what I'm going to be interested in is radio production, audio production, not so much music production. So I think I'm good to go. I think I could apply for these jobs that previously I would not apply for because I didn't feel I had the Pro Tools skills. So that'll be good. And uh, beyond that, there has been no action on the job front. Uh, I haven't heard from any of the people who said they were going to contact folks for me. They were going to forward me names of people to reach out to. They were otherwise going to advocate on my behalf. I have yet to hear from any of those people. And what are you going to do? I mean, I, I sent out a couple of thank you cards this morning to people to basically remind them that I'm here and that I'm waiting to hear and the big thing that I'm waiting to hear back from is uh, Audible to see how it went with the audition I did for Audible so that's the big thing that's the big news as I watch the four five firemen exit the building here on 23rd street and now they're talking to a guy with an elevator t-shirt on. So my guess was correct. The elevator out. One of the elevators out in the building. So uh, there they go. The FDNY. I'm glad I, I wasn't in uh, that elevator. And so that's the update. There isn't much to say except... Um, Sweet Tea is now done with her year, and uh, we're going to be able to travel if we want. We're going to take advantage of that. We're going to head out on a couple of trips as soon as we arrange for a cat sitter, and that'll be fantastic. Uh, looking forward to that, getting the hell away for a few days, taking a, a long trip. Uh, but, you know, there's still part of me that feels like the only thing I should be doing is looking for a job. And um, it's settling in more and more 
just how much uh, the people where I used to work, you know, no longer think about me and I am no longer, I'm no longer part of their world. They're no longer part of my world. Um, I don't hear from them. I mean, I suppose I could be reaching out to them, but really, what's the point? And uh, it's kind of amazing that you could be part of a place for that many years and then just erased as if you don't exist. And it's a little difficult to deal with. There's been a lot of... There's there's been a lot of uh, beating up on myself and going over and over in my head yet again the ways that I could have handled things differently at the job and whether or not that would have been reasons for me to hang on to the job that would have been enough for me to hang on to the job or if the job was going to go away uh, pretty much no matter what I did and so I I am tending to lean towards the latter I'm tending to see this all as uh, something that was beyond my control no matter what I did and that uh, sooner or later they were going to show me the door and so now I have to deal with the next part of my life and you know when I start thinking about it it's not that many years to the age of 65 I'll be 56 in September and then 75 is just beyond that and who knows how long I'll be able to keep this thing going here but one way or the other life goes on with that job without that job and uh, I have no little to no choice in the matter really so that's the update that's where things are and uh, this is Chris T this is job story number six on this job story uh, you'll be hearing from my instructor during my Pro Tools class his name is Kiri He's from Zimbabwe originally, and we're going to sit down and have a chat all about how he managed to find himself here on 23rd Street in New York City teaching Pro Tools classes and about all of the other stuff he does. He's a pretty interesting guy. And then a little later on in this job story, uh, there'll be a whole conversation we had about the World Cup with the other student who was there for two days of Pro Tools classes. He was there for... Pro Tools 101, and I took Pro Tools 101 and Pro Tools 110. So I also took the advanced classes so that I can get the certified Pro Tools user certificate. And that was really the main reason why I did that. So uh, we'll hear from Kiri and the guy who called himself Westside. As we talk about the World Cup, that'll be a little later on. But first, here is a sit-down and an interview with Kiri, my Pro Tools instructor on Job Story. And recording. Could, could I ask for just even a little more headphone volume? Sure. Just because all my ears in radio means I'm deaf. <laughs> uh, okay. That's a little better. There we go. Okay. Are we rolling? We are rolling. Um, oh, let me switch back to... There we are. This is Chris T, and you're listening to Job Story, and I'm recording this interview in my classroom at Manhattan Edit Workshop, and I am uh, wrapping up a week-long Pro Tools course. I said my classroom. It's actually Curie's classroom. He's been the instructor 
during this class, and we're going to get to know him for a few minutes here because um, on Job Story, I like to talk to people about their jobs, the jobs they have now and the jobs they've had in the past. So, uh, Kiri, do you mind if we just use Kiri, or would, do you want your last name as well as part of this? Just Kiri is fine. Just Kiri. Yes. Um, tell us how you managed to become a, a Pro Tools instructor, first of all. Um, so um, my, my background being music, um, I got introduced to uh, Pro Tools uh, a really long time ago, early 2000s, uh, when I moved to, um, to London to, um, to pursue my education. I was coming from Zimbabwe and I was pursuing my education and um, I did audio production, and Pro Tools was one of the DAWs uh, that was uh, available for students to, to play with. So we had Pro Tools and we had um, Logic. So I've always um, been a Pro Tools user, and, and being an instructor teaching some other software, I eventually uh, got you know, certified to be an instructor and to to teach it as well. So it's been several years doing that. We should tell people a DAW, if you don't know, is a digital audio workstation. And to get certified in Pro Tools means that Avid, the creator of Pro Tools, actually issues you a certif- certification, a, a certificate. And there are multiple levels of certification. So what level are you at these days? What What's your latest certification level? Um, I'm just doing this, um, the fundamentals, uh, which is 101 and um, 110. Uh, You can specialize if you wanted to. You can do the next level. They have um, a 201, and then it can take you, it can lead you to two paths. One of them is uh, post-production, and then the other one is uh, music production. Um, so let's go back to a minute. You said you moved from Zimbabwe. You're from Zimbabwe initially, originally, to pursue your education. What what uh, school did you go to in London? Yep. So I I moved to to London. It was a funny story. I moved to London and uh, I didn't have a scholarship or anything, but I knew I wanted to get some more education. And um, so I got to London with my little suitcase and my bass guitar. And um, I knew a few friends, and I would, you know, sleep on their couch and everything. And then I just started looking at colleges around, and um, and uh, they have uh, Thames Valley University, which is where I went for for undergrad in uh, West London. And were you studying music? What was your course study? Now, when I left, when I left Zimbabwe, uh, right after high school. I had an interest in computers in general and and IT, so I started off doing computer programming, and then I went into software. And um, so when I got to London, I I actually looked at IT as well. So I I continued with IT, and then I discovered that um, you know you could also do music production as a minor, and you know. Being being something I had always wanted to to do and interested in recording, 
um, that was that was how I got introduced to um, like MIDI production, uh, working with synthesizers, recording into the computer, and so that that was the beginning of my journey with um, what they call music technology. Were you uh, from a musical family? Is your family musical as well? Did you grow up with a tradition of music? Actually, I wasn't. I, I it was just me being being adventurous. But I always loved, uh, especially live live music. If I if I had a chance to go and see a band play, I I was always amazed to to just see musicians. But my mother was. Uh, was very strict on education. She th she thought education was the most important thing. Um, you know, stay away from guitars and and if and I knew I would never ask her to buy me a guitar. That would be that would have been the last thing that she would. Uh, so actually, she I, thought that was foolishness. Foolishness, mm -hmm. and you're gonna end up being like a burger on the streets, and so. Still, I don't want to see you uh, messing around with those uh, those guitars. And I used to make my own instruments, and then I would hide them in, a, in the back of the house. And, <laughs> and then I would I would play when when she wasn't in sight. But yeah, it was it was a big no no. So now you're in London, and uh, what, when's the first time you actually uh, got a paycheck? What, do you remember your first job, and and would it? Would it have been in Zimbabwe? Would it have been later on in London? Uh, when did you actually start earning a living? Um, so in Zimbabwe, after I did my initial IT training, I got this job um, for, and I worked for a year. It was a small computer company, and I wasn't doing what I what I had been trained for, which was mostly computer programming. But I just had a knack for for computers. And um, so I could, you know, I could fix software issues. I could uh, fix hardware issues. That, that's what this computer company did. Um, so they did a lot of software and hardware support. So fortunately, I, one day I picked up the newspaper and they were looking for someone, but I had no experience whatsoever. So the guy hired me. He, he was really nice. And, and he says, um, this is what we do. We build computers and we supply to our customers and when they have issues we help them out so that was my that was my first job and and I started that and that's how I actually got my uh, my first paycheck so have you had a lot of jobs throughout the years I mean if I look back I probably have had 20 jobs from the time I was 16 that I can remember. There are probably a few that I, I can't remember. So how many jobs have you held and are they mostly in computer and IT or did you do other things as well? Um, in Zimbabwe, that was the only job I had until I moved. I only did it for like a year or year and a half and then I moved to, to London. And then when I got to London, um, I didn't have anything so I had to start from from somewhere and while I was while I was looking at what to do in this new place that I didn't know uh, much about it was just completely different culturally everything and um, a friend uh, recommended that I check out uh, Pizza Hut 
which which I didn't know about, which, which we didn't have in Zimbabwe, but you know, it was a big thing in London. Uh, so they said to me, um, we need someone who can deliver pizzas and you have to ride uh, a moped to deliver the pizzas. So I had never, strictly I'd never ridden uh, one of those things, let alone in the snow. But because I needed, I needed a job, so I, um, I said, yeah, I can do that. And uh, so that was my first job uh, in London. And, um, and I, think, I think the paycheck, it was, it was an hourly wage, so it was, it was probably under three or four pounds uh, an hour. But that was, that was special. Did you, I mean, did you taste the pizza? Did you, did you taste Pizza Hut? I mean, I... <laughs> I know how bad it is here. Is it the, is it bad in London as well, or is actually it, it was good? It was good. It's yeah, good. Okay. it was it was it was pretty good. Um, two things that happened: I was I was now exposed to all these free pizzas. Uh, <laughs> I had never eaten pizza like that. So if if there were cancelled orders and you know leftover pizzas, you know we we were free to. Uh, to take them, to take them home. So, so it was it was a lot of uh, pizzas, and and I can tell you, I was much thinner when I started the job. Yeah. And six months later, uh, I was a different person. You had eaten a lot of pizza. It sounds I, like. I, yeah. And um, any close calls on the moped? Because London traffic is pretty pretty terrifying, isn't it? So yeah. Any close calls? Did you ever? Oh yeah. On the moped. Yep. So um, it was just, it was the end of summer when I started my job. And then, so I was going to, I was getting ready to experience my first winter and my first um, snow uh, encounter. So um, I'd never ridden in snow, so I didn't have a, a, a lot of experience. And, and one day after it snowed, I, I had a delivery and uh all I remember was approaching um, an intersection, and the next thing I was I was down because mm. uh, I guess when I applied the brakes, it um, it just just didn't work, and um, so I was I was able to get up, uh, and the pizza was you know fairly intact, <laughs> and uh, I. I decided to deliver the pizza anyway, so you know I, I shook it up a little bit and and made sure it, it was looking okay, and then I I made uh, the uh, the delivery. So the the manager she she it was a female manager and she had this thing called uh, driver of the week. So so when it, when you started your job, you you were being monitored how fast. Yeah, you you know. So the fastest driver would you know would actually get uh, a little rewarded at the end of each week. You get your picture and and all that stuff. But little did I know it was just to keep your numbers and uh, business going. So so that was yeah. So that was well. Thank God I I didn't get injured. So I had a helmet and and some protective clothing. So I was fine. Did you get to use the moped? otherwise or was it 
just the Pizza Hut moped? Like, could you take the moped home and use it during <laughs> the week, or was it their moped? And it w- oh, it was yeah, it was theirs. Yeah, so they they supplied everything, uh, the moped, the helmet, and anything else that you. So I would just my place was uh, like I think a mile away from the Pizza Hut, so I would just walk there and then get on the moped and get on with my uh, deliveries. And have you ever left a job because you just thought, you know, I don't want to do this any longer, I've had it, or because of a bad boss or you know, for any other reason, have you ever walked away from, from, a, from a job? Um, yeah, when I did this, I, you know, I thought, wow, this is, um, this, this is something, uh, I, I, I noticed that her concern mainly was, was just to, to make sure that pizzas were delivered. And then the second time I had a, I had an accident. Um, again, you know, it was minor, but you know, I actually fell off the bike, and and um, and I remember her reaction was, um, I said to her, uh, so I yeah, I fell I fell off the bike, and and she said, was this before or after you delivered the pizza? <laughs> I thought you were going to say she asked you how the bike was, if the bike was okay. <laughs> was she more concerned about the moped than you? Yeah, that's. But yeah, that's that's what I I sensed, and then so I knew I had to leave that job. Um, in as much as I I was enjoying the pizzas and and the tips, and uh, I I had so I so by the end of the year I I decided to move. I got promoted. My second job, I was actually driving a van, so delivering uh, parcels. Uh, all over London, and actually sitting in a cab with with heating and uh, oh, nice! So, so that that felt like a huge um, promotion coming from a moped. And then, uh, so let's go forward to what you're doing now. In addition to Pro Tools instruction and and computer instruction, are are you also uh, a working musician? Do you uh, go out and earn money, or are you going out and Doing sound for other people, for instance. What what else? What other kind of jobs are you currently holding? Yeah. So so when I moved to New York, um, I uh, I embraced a lot of the stuff, a lot of the technologies that I was introduced to, like video, audio, and uh, so the first time I earned money in the U.S. was uh, you know doing music production, uh, recording, and um, so I. I provide all kinds of services. Uh, sometimes I provide a sound system. Sometimes I do a live recording. So that can be, you know, audio or video. Mm-hmm. And um, and then when I'm not doing that, um, I'm actually teaching. So it kind of uh, uh, keeps me keeps me busy. Uh, see that I'm teaching or I'm doing something out there. And are you currently in a band or working with a band or writing music as well? Uh, I'm I'm writing a lot of music. Um, yeah, there's a band. I've worked with a few bands um, around. Uh, I have a lot of friends uh, on on Broadway. Uh, some of them in the Lion King show. So a lot of talented musicians. Mm. So we we get to work on on um, on stuff, uh, writing or or doing studio studio work so yeah it's 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 a good thing some you know to to um 
to go out and do a gig and, and sometimes get paid for it, um, you know. All right. Well, it's been interesting finding out a little bit about you. Thank you for joining us on Job Story. How have I been as a student here, by the way? <laughs> You've been a great student. Uh, you, uh, I, I like the fact that you, you know, you're coming from a from a background with with audio, and you're trying to apply your knowledge into this. Uh, you have when you have questions, you don't hesitate to to ask, and um, it's good to see you apply what you're learning to to your podcasts and things that you do. Yeah, well, I think it's going to help me too with uh, my job search to be able to uh, go in there and say, yes, I know Pro Tools, because as many years, and I, by the way, I started cutting tape with a razor blade. That's when I, you know, when I started editing, it was on reel-to-reel tape recorders, and you would use a fresh razor blade and a, and a china marker, and that's how you would do your edits. And, uh, and, and when I started mixing, I was mixing live from four reel-to-reel tape recorders uh, through a console. So I've I've been at this for a long time, but I was telling you uh, I used Cool Edit and then Cool Edit Pro, which became Adobe Audition. I never made it into the Pro Tools world. And now that I'm looking for work, I see all these jobs where they want the Pro Tools skills, and now I can apply for those jobs. So thanks to you. I appreciate it. Oh, not a problem. I, I, I wish you... I wish you the best, and uh, I think you you will do well, and, and I hope you find uh, a position that will be fulfilling. Now, is there a graduation ceremony? Do I get a, a gown and a cap? Is there a sheepskin? Is there anything else that goes along with, or a hearty handshake and uh, wish you well? That's about it, right? Thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. No problem. This is Chris T. This is job story number seven. And uh, this one is all about the training that I took last week in Pro Tools over there on 23rd Street. And remember, if you want to drop me a line, jobstorypod at gmail.com is where you can reach me. Jobstorypod at gmail.com. Tuesday, June 19th, and we're here at Manhattan Edit Workshop talking about the World Cup with Westside and Kiri. True. Really excited. Um, everyone is just uh, euphoric about this uh, World Cup. We, we just came out of the uh, NBA Finals, but I cannot think of anything more, more exciting. A lot of people all over the planet watching football these days. Every bar I go into, the game is on. Is on, yeah. It's supposed to be the most popular game. Is that right, Westside? I believe so. I mean, I'm a little into hockey, but, you know, football is definitely up there. You know, the World Cup is back after four years, after Brazil was spanked by Germany, which is awful feat. But we're back. We're back for the second round. So is it every four years? Is that when they do the World Cup? So every four years... They they do the World Cup. They they have to select a country. I can't remember. Is it four or eight years in advance as a host? But I think they have to allow for several years because if in case they need to develop 
infrastructure. Like I know 2010 was in South Africa. And so they gave them like eight or 10 years to, to build stadiums and, and improve their infrastructure. So, but yeah, so it's, it's every four years uh, they, they rotate. Does anyone know where it's going to be the next one? North America next time. Ah. I read. I think North America has the next World Cup. It's got to be in the U.S. then. Speaking of which, you were saying the U.S. hasn't really fielded a decent team this year? No, they haven't. This time around? The last World Cup, they had quite an interesting team and good players. And um, they started with a lot of excitement. Everyone was rooting for them. And then it just fizzled down. So... Yeah, it's really sad that they they didn't make it. Some uh, un, un, unsuspecting unknown countries actually made it, including four countries from Africa, uh, Ghana, Egypt. You said Nigeria. Nigeria and Tunisia. Yep. So those those made it. Are there soccer hooligans in other places besides Britain? Do other countries have? Soccer hooligans? Britain is the biggest uh, export of hooligans. They take their soccer really, really seriously. Actually, that's the reason they they developed facial technology way back before even they were ahead of most countries. So when you walk into a stadium, they could actually ID you just just by walking. And, and, and if you're not allowed, you can't go in there. Really? They developed facial recognition technology because of soccer hooligans? I hadn't heard that before. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it, maybe 10 or 15 years, way back. Yeah. I know it was, it was way back. I mean, they have hooligans, some who are not even allowed to have passports. They, so they can't travel like to, to other European countries. I mean, isn't it it's supposed to be a game? You're supposed to enjoy it? And not go there and potentially come back with a debilitating injury. Yeah, I know. And and for the English people, it's really interesting. Because when you see them on a normal day, they're decent-looking, conservative people, you know. And, and just put them in a stadium. They lose their minds. Just the sound. I mean, you've heard how it sounds like when they're in a stadium. Yeah. I mean, the singing and the, and the chanting and whatever they... They do, they... I feel like just the energy, you know, within the whole stadium. Just like the people. I haven't been to a match yet, but I really want to go. It's just different when everybody's, you know, into the whole... Into the game as a unit in both teams. And when they score a goal, I can only imagine that energy in the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Energy is, is, is the right word. It's you, you can almost feel it. Even when I'm watching the highlights... Um, even just on YouTube, I mean, just uh, you, you can hear the crowd. It's, it's nothing like it. Uh, not even the NBA. It's, 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 just, it's just different. Is there any country in the world that doesn't play football, that doesn't have a football team? I mean, it seems like when you say World Cup, that would mean every country in the world. But is, are there some places where they don't play? Um, India. The English, they had a big influence on, on football. So... In any of their colonies, um, you know, which is a lot of Africa, India. I don't know if India in the World Cup. I don't know about China. I don't know about um, the Koreas. I would think they have. Middle East, they have great teams. There's, there's Saudi Arabia. 
Iran, yeah. I think they are in the World Cup. What about Iceland? Do they they play so- soccer on Iceland? They do. Actually, yeah. I think they beat they, they actually beat one of the big teams. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Had no idea. Yeah. So is there a favorite this time out or or no? If Germany's already been eliminated. Yeah, I know, right? So we so we got to root for another team if uh it's not the US because they didn't qualify. I like Brazil too. I like Mexico because a lot of this country used to be Mexico. So what the hell? Yeah, I, uh, actually I was excited when when they when they beat uh, Germany. That was I, I hope they keep doing that. That would be nice. They could bring the World Cup. Yeah, I find it hard to root for Germans doing anything. <laughs> Never mind football. But hey. Yep. So yeah. So this is where we are. Um, the uh, the World Cup going on. Um, I think it's the whole month, and then um, we'll be excited to watch to watch the finals. So does anyone here play football or soccer? I, I mean, I did in high school, but I haven't really played since then. I used to play at this uh, indoor house league down with Chelsea Piers. Okay. With the, like, gla- it has, like, glass on the wall and stuff, so you could, like, pass it to yourself. Ah. And that league was awesome. It was just so... I guess both teams were just so close together. It was so fast-paced. Like, everything happened. And, like, you know, you could kick it to yourself. Like, usually in soccer, you need your teammate or else it goes out of bounds. So, in this game, like, it's just like a... Oh, you just... You could just, like, knock it off the wall, kick it to yourself, and just, like, score in two seconds. But I also played goalie. So, but, yeah, it was fun back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I played played growing up uh, in Africa... uh, it, you know, like like in a village, you'd make your own ball with whatever plastic, whatever you can find, and you're barefooted, and and you clear the ground and, and you start playing. So, uh, but you know, when I when I moved to England, when I went to school, I would just walk to a park and see people playing, and and join, I would just join, join them. Yeah, it was it was always exciting. What what part of England? Uh, I was in London. Yeah, I mean, I would drive by. Two stadiums, at least, uh, in North London, uh, and yeah, it's, it's big business out there. But everyone is playing somewhere, so that was, and it's a good workout too. So you know, you're always running and dribbling and yeah, and sweating. Is it true though that the origin of soccer was well, involved the human head, like kicking a head around? Had you ever heard that story? I actually have. Yeah, me too. I wonder if it's true, though. <laughs> I mean, that's supposedly the origins of soccer is the wow, yeah, the Visigoths or whoever the hell preceded the, the British. You know, came before the British. Huh. After a def- you know defeating their enemies, just kicking their head around. Oh, oh, the head of your enemies. Yeah, it's sort of a game that started on a battlefield. Sounds hmm. like. Yeah. You know. And then now it's uh, it's a multi-billion-dollar. Uh, industry and i think as football falls out of favor in this country with parents you know soccer is gonna rise because parents don't want their kids playing football anymore that is a good point i mean football is very clean and um so it's you you don't have to worry about a lot of head injuries and yeah yeah when i say football i mean american you know the yeah, the American football. Type that they play in Texas. 
they're never gonna soccer's never gonna surpass football in Texas. You know, it's it's. By the way, do other people get offended if you call it soccer? I mean, if I say soccer, do other people? I think if you're in, in the U.S., that's okay. That's yeah, that's forgivable. Right, but anywhere else, they Any, yeah, anywhere else, you don't hear that word. Nah, it it, it will be a uh, football. Do you play any of the video versions? Of course, FIFA 18, kill it. Yeah, uh, yeah, FIFA 18 is a great game. You know, great graphics. You know, a bunch of great players in the game like Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, all these oh, old yeah. guys. You yeah. Know? Not old guys, but, you know, I guess some of them are retired now. But, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good game. Who, who's t- who's the big star today? Like, who would be somebody today that would be? Ronaldo, I would say, just because he's, you know, he's endorsed by everywhere. And he's like, he's just a beast. He's like that guy that, you know. But, you know, there are a lot of other players that, you know, you got to respect because of their skills. And they're just, everybody's different in their own way. So. All right. Um, so that's our, our discussion uh, on, uh, on football, uh, also known as soccer in the U.S. Thank you. All right. This is Chris T. Thank you for listening to another job story. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family. They can find job story on iTunes and SoundCloud, and I'm working on getting it on other platforms as well. And if you want to send me some email, jobstorypod at gmail.com, jobstorypod at gmail.com. Thanks, and I'll see you next Tuesday. unless he earns some money. I don't want to be a law. You don't work, you don't drink. Suppose you tune in next week to see if I'm still on the job. Still on the job. Still on the job.